0: Welcome back to .NET Rocks. This is Carl Franklin, and this is Richard Campbell, and uh, we're here for an hour of creativity goodness. Yes, yes, yes. Creativity, so excited. <laughs> Denise Jacobs here. We're going to be talking to her in just a few minutes. But first, how's uh, how's the Great Northwest, Mr. Uh, Campbell? You
1: know, yes, yeah, spring has sprung. The grass is riz. I wonder where the birdies is. <laughs> <laughs> is that Adgan Nash or something? Yeah, something like that. Geez, <laughs> learned that in like in grade school. But yeah, the birdies are all around. Hmm. Uh, the dog had a close encounter with an otter. What? I, got, you know, we got this pond up at the boathouse. And, uh, yep, there was an otter in the pond when we went by. You have the Keith Richards of dogs. <laughs> he just won't die. He's fine. He's 12. He's very fit. Yeah. Uh, I managed to grab him before he went into the water after the otter because that is unwise. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I think they, they, it was a mutual scared the snot out of each other moment. But, uh, I'm like, holy crap, that's an otter. <laughs> well, I don't have any wildlife, uh, spottings to report except, uh, last
0: summer. We did have a red-tailed hawk that landed right on our back porch. Oh, on your deck.
1: Yeah. That's cool. That was kind of interesting. They're vicious-looking things when you get up close to them, too. That's a serious set of claws. Yeah. Sorry. All right. Enough about that. Nice. We have something
0: interesting for Better Know a Framework today, so roll the music. Awesome. All right, dude. What do you got? So, I went looking in the app stores to see if I could find the top-rated app for, you know, getting rid of creative backflow. Let's, ah. let's call it uh, that. And this <laughs> is called Oflow. And, um, if you go to Oflowapp.com, O-F-L-O-W app.com. So, so these are sort of like flashcards, right? It's created to help you get unstuck. Ah, I get it. When well, you got writer's block. Yeah. Proven creativity techniques. And, you know, you can do this In a much easier way, just by flipping open a dictionary and, you know, pointing your finger to something. But, uh, you know, just random words. Or, you know, just type random stuff into Google and see what happens. (laughs) I mean, there's so many ways to get ideas that we're probably
1: going to talk about this with uh, Denise, but... Have you ever played the Wikipedia game for that? That's always good for that. What is that, a drinking game? Just go to any page on Wikipedia, (laughs) make note of what that page is, or even bookmark it, and then keep clicking on links that page references mm. and then read that one and click on the next link and see how many times it takes for you to get back to the page you started from.
0: Oh, that's an interesting game.
1: It's 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 like six or seven. It's right out of like the seven degrees of Kevin Bacon. Huh. But what's interesting is the weird routes you can go through to get back.
0: Right. Well, anyway, I haven't used this app, but I only bring it up because it's highly rated mm-hmm. and a lot of people left very good comments about it. So, uh, you know, might be one of those things to just check out sometime. Nice. Yeah. Good one. So, who's
1: talking to us, Richard? Grabbed a comment off a show 1025 from August of 2014, three years ago, getting creative with Denise Jacobs. Lots of great comments on this show, actually. Uh, But it was uh, Jehu Hidez. Uh, which believes is a, is a, uh, a Mexican name, who said, I found the podcast refreshing in the sense that creativity and its potential techniques and heuristics have not been stressed enough when it comes to the education of professional developers and software engineers. Hmm. I find that developers are some of the most creative people I've ever had privilege to work with, hmm. but it's usually creativity amassed from painful experiences in the trenches, hmm. not the happy result of a formal and systemic way to prepare your career. Yeah. Having said Mm. that, I'm certainly no expert, but I do believe there are many creative techniques and practices that can be imported and transplanted from other disciplines, design, psychology, creative writing, and so forth, over to development. Creativity is a subject inherently connected with other important engineering aspects, such as problem solving and critical thinking, and those Mm -hmm. too are rather fertile grounds for getting techniques and practices in play. Thank you for providing a podcast. It's not just about technology but also the other aspects of software engineering. Yeah, yeah. and cool. here we do more of that. So thank you for your comment, Jedhu. Yeah. And a .NET Rocks mug is on its way to you. And if you'd like a .NET Rocks mug, write a comment on the website at .NET or via any of our social media, because we published every show to Facebook and Google+. And if you comment there and we read it on the show, we'll send you a mug. And definitely follow us on Twitter. Uh, he's at Rich
0: Campbell. I'm at Carl Franklin. And send us a tweet. We roll him up in tie-dye
1: nori. How did that come from? I'm just trying to be creative, my friend. Can't tie dye nori. That's just wrong. Trying to play along. Don't
2: don't limits on it. That's Uh, negativity
1: There you go. You're harsh my
0: mellow, man. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Let's feel that tie dye nori in your life.
0: Put a couple drops of patchouli oil on it. Now you got a dead show right there.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Keep the music out of your eyes. That's right.
0: And that voice you're hearing is that of Denise Jacobs. She is a speaker, author, and creativity evangelist who speaks at conferences and consults with companies worldwide as the founder and CEO of The Creative Dose. She promotes techniques to unlock creativity and spark innovation in people, teams, and workplaces, particularly those in the tech world. Denise is the author of Banish Your Inner Critic, the premier hand. <laughs> Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> the premier handbook on silencing fears to unleash creativity she's also the founder of rock the web that's r-a-w-k and the head instigator of the creativity r- revolution evolution how do you say that when you say that because it's oh, an I just r say, in parentheses i just say
2: revolution oh, okay but it's like then i explain it afterwards
0: so it's kind of like a conversation piece
2: It is a conversation piece, kind of like a doily on a table, but better.
0: And it actually worked this time because I asked you what it was. Now we're talking about it. See? See?
2: (laughs) There is a method to my madness. So tell us about this book.
0: I'm a big fan of getting rid of fear in general, but uh, you seem to be an expert at it.
2: Uh at this point in time, 350 pages later, yes I am. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. That's a particular kind of fear, isn't it? I had to do that a couple of times. Write a book? Yeah. Yep.
2: Yeah. Well, that was kind of actually writing a book was what prompted me into this whole kind of realm of creativity and dealing with the inner critic. Um, and figuring out how to silence the inner critic so that you could let creativity flow. Yeah. And, uh, that started with writing my first book, which was the CSS detective guide. Um, and it was kind of after I wrote that book and was doing the website for it, that I had this kind of major, went into this just incredible flow state and, um, and then afterwards thought, God, that was so good. If I could figure out how to kind of bottle that up in mm. a, in a way of speaking and help other people feel like that, then that's what I want to do with my life. Like that's what I want to do for work. Yeah. And so basically from that point in 2010, uh, in 10, kind of up to, let's say, you know, about 2014 or 2015, I started talking about, the inner critic and creativity and stuff. And people really, it really resonated with people. And so I can't remember if it was 2014 or if it was the beginning of 2015. Anyway, I was like, you know, it's time to actually write a book. Like I had written an article mm. that came out on a list apart in 2011, really great response to that. Then I wrote another article um, in 2014 about perfectionism and procrastination, really good response to that. Hmm. Then I was like, let's just take all of this stuff and like, you know, and expand it and find out, you know, delve into this more and actually make a handbook because there's really no book that talks about all of this stuff like specifically for creativity. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, sure. I, I and they actually at this point, it seems like it's weird. Like I just looked on Amazon. And it seems like there's like a trillion million billion new books about inner critic, like that have just come out in the last six yeah. months. And I'm just like, y'all trying to get up on my game. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, what I like about your stuff is that you, you include the latest science and yes. practices that, uh, you know, for, for mindfulness and things. And yes. you sort of incorporate that. It's not. It's not just a a sort of um, you know, a Stuart Smalley kind of self help thing. You know, that that'd no, be the easy way no. out,
2: right? No, it is definitely. I mean, there's definitely. I, I I put a lot into this, and and you know, I was actually uh, kind of starting writing a blog post this morning, and I, you know, I didn't really know exactly how it was all going to come together when I first started writing it. I mean, I, I had all of the, like, I know I'm going to talk about these topics. Right. And, um, just a backtrack for, uh, for a hot minute. Um, I do this, um, exercise that I got from our friend, Jesse Sternshoes,
1: Yeah. Uh, ah, I was just thinking of her too.
2: Our little love. Um, and, um, she told me about this exercise that she did, that she does at conferences, and I was like, "Oh snap! I'm totally going to use that." Mm. So what I started doing, um, particularly in the banisher and a critic keynotes and talks that I was giving, was I would have everybody give everybody a piece of paper, and I would say, "Write down your biggest fear around creativity," and they write it down on their on their thing. I said, "Don't sign it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Don't put love, Jim." Right. On it, like, you know, don't put your Twitter handle on it or your yeah, email yeah. address, just it's totally anonymous, just write down your biggest fear around creativity, and then take that piece of paper and crumble it up in a ball. And when it when you w- when we're ready on three, we're going to throw the ball across the room. Yeah. And so we had the snowball fight. And so at first, it was just an exercise to kind of show people how universal these fears are. But then I started like I was like, I'm curious, you know, here I am up on stage and I'm talking and everything. And I have people, you know, probably five, six, seven people read out what they got, you know. Yeah. But then I was like, I actually want to know what people said. So I started actually gathering them up after the talks and keeping them. And I did (laughs) that over the course of about a year. And what I ended up finding was that there are these patterns that basically it was universal and they started being in categories. And these were categories that actually I didn't feel like people were actually talking about as an actual thing. Like you hear about perfectionism all the time. You hear about procrastination all the time. You hear about imposter syndrome all the time. And I talk about those in my talk. But what you don't hear about so much is like, what's it called? When somebody feels like they're not good enough or they don't know enough mm. or they don't learn fast enough or they don't have enough knowledge, right? Yeah. Or everything they do isn't quite good enough. Like, what is that called? And so, you know, what's it called when you're comparing yourself to people all the time? Yeah. Like, what's it called when you're like, I'm just not creative. Yeah. Right. And those, those things were popping up time and time and time again. And so I actually, In the course of writing this book, it was this process of discovery because I actually found that these things were so – they were such strong categories that I actually gave them names. Hmm. So, when people have this kind of not enough, I'm not enough, I don't know enough, et cetera, I call it deficiency anxiety. And when somebody feels – thank you. I try. <laughs> and when, when somebody gets into this mode of like, God, you know, all these people have done all these amazing things. and I'm a total slacker, even though they're not right. Or I'm not mm-hmm. an, you know, like this person, like I, I work with this team of really talented people. I don't know how I got there. Right. right, right. Then I call that comparison syndrome. And I have something when people are just like, Oh, I'm totally not creative. Like, like Josue's uh, comment where Mm -hmm. he was like, developers are some of the most creative people on the planet. Mm -hmm. And yet if you talk to a developer, they'll say, no, no, I'm not creative. I'm analytical.
1: Right. Right. Or I know this guy that's creative and I like working with
2: him. Right. right. I know this guy who's creative. He does all this stuff. Or like we work with designers. I don't know how they do that. But then it's like, if somebody like whispers the idea Slightly of something that you could potentially build and turn into an application. Like that person will just go and I come back and say, okay, here I built this. And it's just like, what the what? Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, so I call that when somebody basically denies the fact that they're creative, I call it creativity denial. Hmm. And so, I don't know where you come up
1: with these names, Denise. It's confusing. Yeah, they are very confusing. Yes. It's really, it's very, very, like,
2: obscure. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's kind of, they obfuscate instead of clarify, but no, I figure people can work with me on them. (laughs) Um, and so, so I've come up with actually some new terminology, some new terms for things that actually exist already. Oh my God, you guys, you guys. What? 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 So you're talking about wildlife sightings. Yes. Yes peacock in my backyard what (laughs) you heard me it is friday it is friday
1: is it plaid
2: (laughs) no she's a it's a female peacock and we have uh one of them at least one of them in the neighborhood i think now we have probably three wow but because i don't know the difference between them i just call her fred
0: wait I'll, i'll write some music for it real quick and then here comes the coyote (laughs)
2: <laughs> no, no, no.
1: <laughs> no okay okay i yeah. don't know what just happened there but i'm sure it was creative
2: so I have, so I have a peacock in my in your yard. Anyway, sorry, I just got excited. Everybody like, should this, have
0: a peacock in their backyard. I
2: Everybody. totally agree. You know what? It's actually funny when you guys were talking about the wildlife stuff. I was going to be like, "There's a peacock that like runs around our neighborhood." <laughs> I didn't know she was going to come. I didn't realize I had invoked her. Oh wow. yeah, that's See, great. That's that, that's the power of creativity. Anyway, um, so back to what I was saying. Um, so in my book, instead of talking about the n- kind of typical things that people talk about with the inner critic like perfectionism, procrastination, and 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 imposter syndrome, I actually talk about something that I call judgment dread, the fear of being judged, yeah. um, high self-criticism. I talk about deficiency, anxiety, um, uh, overwhelm, obstruction, creativity, denial, comparison mm-hmm. syndrome, mm-hmm. all things that are very, very relevant and very real, um, but that people don't really have terminology for. Cool. So, yeah. hoping to be introducing new terminology into the kind of greater lexicon. So let somebody and be like, "Dude, I was totally in judgment dread." Yeah. And be like, "Nice. Dude. I, I like that." that. I, yeah. I, right.
1: you know, it's it's how you give power over these thoughts is to give them mm-hmm. labels, give them names,
2: oh. right? Yep. Yep, and then get distance from them that way. Yeah. Instead of say, and instead of saying this is me doing this, you can say, "Oh, this is my inner critic." doing this and then you've got you know these are not my thoughts these are thoughts that you know this is kind of this system that's working this kind of i call it a a a a protective threat to self system that basically works that kicks into gear when it gets triggered and then you can say oh okay i see that the system is going on yeah but i don't have to i don't have to just like go into autopilot and be in this i can actually have some distance and some perspective, and then I can actually choose to think different thoughts.
0: It's a very famous story, and I may tell have me. brought it up before in the, la- the last time we talked, and tell me if I did, but if even if I did, it's worth repeating. Okay. Um, Sir Paul McCartney was talking about the idea for Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, which, you know, on the scale of creativity is off the charts, Right.
2: Right. Right,
0: and um, they were sort of the Beatles were sort of stuck in this rut of the Fab Four, and everything that they did was around that whole mop top, you know, the music that they had done in their early years. And then they had started experimenting with drugs and stuff, and everybody was sort of turning up their nose at them. So they just decided to jump in to the whole creative rethink the band, and I think it was Paul's idea who said you know what, our next album, we're not going to do it as the Beatles. We're going to come up with this fictional band that, you know, we are going to play the parts of those people, and we'll all have these personas. And we won't ask ourselves, what would the Beatles do? We'll ask, what would they do? What nice. would these guys do on this album? If there was no limits, you were starting from scratch, and, you know, the, the sky's the limit. And they found yeah. that was like just the the distance, like you're talking about, Denise, the getting some distance from, you know, the things that you identify with and the things that you identify as your own self.
2: Uh-huh, you know uh-huh. how
0: would how would this fictional person do it? So, you know, I, I I think of guys like Mark Miller, you know, who has this superhero persona. <laughs> yeah, you know, he just he, he he sort of lives in that mode a lot, you know, and that that sort of allows him to overcome. You know, things that Mark Miller wouldn't do, but what would, you know, superhero Mark Miller do? (laughs) Right. There's a lot to learn there.
2: But it's important, but it's, but it, and it can be like a really useful tool, right? Like it, you know, that people can kind of overcome things when they kind of let go of the concept of who they think they are, right? Yeah. And when you really think about it, all we are is this kind of amalgamation of, beliefs about who we are Mm. but this doesn't necessarily mean that that's who we are right or not necessarily and the beliefs that about who we are may not have even come from us that's right you know like may not probably didn't originate with us from us we took them on from other people it's what people told us we were right and not necessarily who we actually are so yeah yeah
1: and you know it's, it's there's no point I see in this book where you're actually questioning anybody's ability to be creative. It's like, no, nope. you're just in your own head. Yep. Like, don't worry. It's it's yep. there. You just have to let it out.
2: Exactly, which is so true, right? Because I feel like the other thing too, and I and I say this kind of at the beginning is that there's there's a stigma or there's kind of this this limitation about this limited concept of what is creative in our society. Right. Mm, And and that's how people can fall into that creativity denial is they can say, well, I'm not a visual artist, a musician, or a writer as, or, or a dancer maybe if they, you know, want to get like crazy, you know, and it's like, well, that's, that's such a small percentage, you know, that's such a small slice of creativity and who's creative and, and what, what that even means. You know, and so one of the things that I, yeah, one of the presumptions that I have in this is that, yeah, of course you're creative. You just need to like get all the stuff out of the way so that you can like actually experience that, you know, Mm. and you need to figure out where it is, how it is that you're creative. It's not a question of if you're creative, it's a question of how you're creative.
1: Right. How you let it out in one form Mm -hmm. or another. Mm hmm. All right, Denise, give us a sec here to pay the bills.
0: This episode of .NET Rocks is made possible in part by
1: Windows on the Google Cloud Platform. You may not know this, but the Google Cloud Platform supports Windows Server 2008, 2012, and 2016. It also supports SQL
0: Server versions 2012, 2014, and 2016 standard
1: web and enterprise editions with high availability. You can deploy your ASP.NET Windows apps to Compute Engine or your ASP.NET Core apps to App Engine or Container Engine. That's Google's hosted Kubernetes environment.
0: .NET and .NET Core libraries are there for all 200 plus Google.com and cloud services in NuGet,
1: led by John Skeet of Stack Overflow fame. But what about Visual Studio integration? Oh, it's there. You can use Visual Studio to manage your GCP resources and deploy your existing apps.
0: You get stack driver logging, error reporting, and tracing support for .NET and .NET Core.
1: PowerShell commandlets for GCP, which run on Windows and Linux.
0: And... And a great set of partners to bring your Windows and .NET workloads to GCP,
1: including Cap Gemini, Nudesic, and Magenic. So go to com and get your free trial today. It, it, of course, it, you bring this up right away in the book, right? It's like every child has this incredible creative streak. I don't mm-hmm. want to say that society beats it out of them, but what happens that we, we sort of uh, struggle with it after we're not children anymore?
2: Well, society kind of does beat it out. I mean, like, go ahead and say it. I don't, you know, we're all friends here. We're okay <laughs> we all, with that. We all know the drill.
1: <laughs> we're just going to blame the man.
2: <laughs> we're going to blame the man. Um, and there's, there's so many of them we can blame. Um, but, um, but yeah, it's, I mean, it's, you know, school systems and things like that are not, most of them are not structured in a way that supports creativity. And then, um, you know, most of the time it's like, don't daydream, don't look this, don't do that, you know, you're, here's the right answer, and this is the only way that it can be done, right. blah, 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 blah. So, you know, yeah, in a lot of ways there's that. And then there's like people who, you know, a lot of people who are in charge of education and stuff like that may be people who were frustrated creatives on their own and who mm-hmm. were given very, very poor counsel. Um, and, you know, we're basically scared into the idea that there's no way that they could actually support themselves being creative. Yeah. Um, and so then they're going to pass down those messages as well. Right. Right. And if they see anybody, it's like their fear of like, oh my God, this child is not going to be able to make it in the world. Um, (laughs) and so they're like, okay, let's just suppress it. Let's suppress it right now.
1: Right. We're saving them really.
2: We're saving them, but it's like, no, actually, you're just making it so that they have to d- get more therapy um, or it's going to just take longer. It's just going to take longer for people. You know, I think sometimes it takes longer for people than just to get to where they were naturally going to go anyway, you know, or they have to like end up like working their way back to it. And it's like, God, what a waste of time.
0: So I'd like to compare writer's block to, you know, songwriter's block to, a sort of of out-of-ideas block as a software developer, right?
2: Mm -hmm. Same thing. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. It's not any different. It's not any different.
0: I've recently started a a three-piece original group with some really great players, and Mm -hmm. I I just put it on myself that I'm going to write some tunes, and these songs are going to be more of me than particular songs that I've written before. So the way I've ended up doing this process which turned out to work really well was I just Mm -hmm. went into the studio and I put a microphone in front of my amplifier and I just turned it on and maybe I had a metronome or something like that. And I just played licks. I just played riffs, like all the stuff that's in my head. It's not necessarily um, somebody else's music. It's probably an amalgam of all the things that I've been practicing, you know, it just all these little things. Mm -hmm. And then when I find something that sticks that I want to play again, I'll play it again. And, mm-hmm. and it's those things that you, oh, you know, if I just modified it a little bit this way and then I play it again and play it again. And then pretty soon I've got enough to, to make a, a tune out of and a melody. And that's nice. sort of just like the whole idea of throwing spaghetti against the wall to see what sticks, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're, just, you're just throwing stuff out there, seemingly unrelated things, and then mm-hmm. seeing if you can make connections between them.
1: And you could do that with tools, technologies, Mm -hmm. uh, languages, Mm
0: -hmm. right,
1: Richard? Yeah, absolutely. I am just thinking about spaghetti sticking the wall because you know if one's going to stick, they're all (laughs) going to stick.
2: You're right. (laughs) Um, But I'm thinking also that that is part of that is kind of the kind of process of playing, right? Like that 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 lack of judgment you know right. that kind of uh, allowing you know giving yourself permission like i don't know what's going what's coming like i don't right. know what's going to happen i don't have to plan this out or map this out like kind of going on this kind of explore, explorational uh process right. you know of starting out and saying i don't know what's going to i don't know what i'm going to make
0: you could for example take a bunch of patterns and you know just go through the patterns thinking about the what your end goal of your software is Figuring mm-hmm. out which ones fit, which ones don't. And you might stumble exactly. across the perfect one. It doesn't mean you're going to use them all just for the sake of using them. But right. you, you sort of have to, you know, plow your way through them to to understand what they do and how they fit within the context of what you're trying to do.
2: Exactly. And then there might be some way to, like, solve a problem that you didn't see. Like, you you know, you see one thing, like you said, it's kind of a, a series of, of things that have influenced you over time, right? Yeah. So if you have those kind of little snippets of code or if you have like that one like elegant solution that you saw that you're just like, holy snap, that that was really mm-hmm. clever. Mm. I'm going to keep that in mind for something else. Or like I didn't know that like that can solve a lot of different problems. Yeah. Right. Um, and then you can take those and put them together. And it, like you said, you don't necessarily need to know exactly how they're going to fit. Yeah at the beginning but but trusting that you will find something and that they will fit um i think is like half of the battle oh yeah
0: absolutely well that just gets you to halfway you know and then Mm -hmm. you can you 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 let your solution carry you the rest of the way
2: sure Mm -hmm. Mhm. And one of the things I I found with writing this book and also kind of um allowing myself something called um process time, which is like creative play time, right, unstructured creative play time for at least 15 minutes a day, is that um that I really became more, much more comfortable with the process of not knowing when I sat down but trusting that something that something will reveal itself yes. right. somehow during right. the process. Um, and, and being okay with not, not, you know, with not trying to make myself, not putting the pressure on myself to figure it all out ahead of time, right. but to say, okay, like, I don't, I don't know. Like one of the things I do, uh, it is not software development. It is earring making hmm. and I make jewelry to relax <laughs> As one does. Wow. Um, and, um, I started doing this a lot when I started, when I was writing the book, when I would kind of get into these, uh, places where my thinking started feeling stifled. And there's a whole body of research actually about, um, how working with your hands actually, uh, really stimulates creative flow. Hmm. Um, and it's pretty amazing. Uh, so. I had a writing coach and she was like, start making something with your hands. And I was like, earrings. I just got permission to make earrings. This is amazing. <laughs> and, um, when I started sitting down and doing it, I kind of was in this thing of like, what am I going to make? And I just kind of let myself, you know, explore and like put things together and see how things worked. And, and it was so, such an important part of the process. It affected profoundly affected my writing. Because it got to the point where like when I went to write, instead of being like, <gasps> "Oh I know I need to know exactly what I'm gonna say to be like, "I don't know, let's find out. Let's find out what's in there." Yeah, and yeah. um, and so I kind of i I like the fact that i I really learned that on a very visceral level, and that that's something that I can apply to other things. um I'm trying to apply it to life, sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't. <laughs>
0: I had a year like that once, Denise. What's the one you just did? You know, when it didn't work, you know?
2: Yeah. 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 I've had several years like that. (laughs) Still still recovering from it, I I think. But, uh, but yeah, so, you know, um, I think that that is an important thing. And again, you know, kind of getting back to like how you're creative versus if you're creative, you know, one of the things I recommend to people is like, just Looking at those places where those instances where you do get into a really profound state of flow when things feel like they're just clicking and you're super excited about what you're doing and you're getting more ideas and you lose time and you don't really care about doing anything else. Um, and that can be in a lot of different instances. It could be if you're developing something, it could be if you're making furniture, it could be if you're making music, um, you know, it could be a, it could be planning for planning an event, right? It could be a lot of different things.
1: We're always making something, isn't it? Yeah.
2: It is, but it is.
1: I lose whole days working on a, on a geek out script. Yeah. Yeah. So they sort of poke me like, were you going to eat today? And
2: you're like, what? (laughs)
1: I'm reading a scientific paper and I'm really happy. Why would you stop that? (laughs) Right?
2: Exactly. Exactly. And that's like one of those places. That's like, that's where you're brilliant. Right. And people don't like to use the term brilliance, but I'm like, this is definitely a good place for it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: If not, then when? Right.
2: Right. Like, and if not taking ownership of it, why not? Why wouldn't you? Well, Richard.
0: Yeah, buddy. Guess what time it is now. Uh, it must be that happy time again. Yeah. It's time to explore the space. Hmm? The space between my ears. <laughs> where eddies of thought swirl into colors. Mm. Man, I can't wait for
1: the drugs to wear off. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I was going to see the space where my voice goes all squeaky from the helium, but okay.
0: <laughs> it's actually time to give away a de-experience subscription from Express to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. Become a UI superhero with DevExpress UI controls and libraries and deliver elegant .NET solutions that address customer needs today and leverage your existing knowledge to build next-generation, touch-enabled solutions for tomorrow. Whether it's an Office-inspired application or a data-centric analytics dashboard, DevExpress Universal ships with everything you'll need to build your best without limits or compromise. Learn more and download your free 30-day trial at devexpress.com slash superhero.
1: Well, all right, buddy. Who's our winner?
0: Today's winner is Heath Higgins. Well,
1: congratulations, Heath. Yes. Yay, Heath. Yay, Heath. All so clap for you,
0: sir. And Heath Woo. just won the D Experience subscription, a big pile of awesome from DevExpress, just for being a member of the .NET Rocks fan club. And if you don't know what that is, go to .NET Rocks.com, Click on the big Get Free Stuff button, answer a few questions, and join the .NET Rocks fan club. We have thousands of members all over the world, and every show we like to give away stuff from our sponsors. And every December we give away a $5,000 technology shopping spree to one lucky member of said fan club. But you have to sign up to win, of course. And Denise, it's your turn. You know what's coming. You've got $5,000. You're going shopping for technology. Or maybe it's creativity. I don't know. What are you going to buy with five grand?
2: Well, I was thinking about it, and actually, since you since you mentioned it, um, I would buy it. Can't it can be multiple things, right? Yeah, of many course. things. Okay, good. Because so I'm going to go on a shopping spree. The first thing I would buy is probably a new computer because it seems like that is starting to be something that I need to have. Hmm. But after that, you know, that's not actually going to take take much care of of that much money but what i would really like to do um which it may end up happening this year is um because i've been so into jewelry making Mm -hmm. i want to take jewelry making classes like i want to learn how to do um like the forging i want to learn how to work with silver yeah um all this stuff and so when i was in australia actually last year i was looking for um Was looking for a jewelry making workshop to Mm -hmm. take, and there's one in Miami. But I found this studio, and I was like, "Oh my god, this is amazing! Where is it? It's in the Philippines." Ooh, wow! And I was like, I was like, I would love to take a trip to the Philippines and go and hang out and just take classes at this workshop for like a a, a week. Yeah, that's cool.
1: Yeah, and the sort of the other side of the world too.
2: It sort of is the other side of the world, so. Maybe after NDC Sydney, uh, NDC, um, Australia, mm-hmm. maybe Sydney, I yeah. can work in, work in a little, a little jaunt up to the Philippines. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think that probably would cover most of it, you know, like a really nice, a really nice, uh, hotel, really nice flight. I don't
0: know as if anybody has ever said that they wanted to go on a trip. Or
1: to, or to take a class or that happens class. to be the other side of the world. It's... I mean, it makes... I don't need more stuff. I'm all about experiences. Yeah. But, uh, you know, that's such a good idea. Great idea. Thank you.
0: Yeah. Thank you. So, what else can we say about uh, creativity and why we need it in the first place?
2: Um, I think because in a lot of ways, um, creativity is going to be kind of how we get ourselves out of the cesspool <laughs> 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 that we've put ourselves in as humans. I mean... The world's got a lot of, a lot of problems yeah. that need to be solved. And uh, as Einstein has so aptly said, you can't solve a problem with the same mindset that created it. Yes. And uh, the same mind frame that created it. And so one of the things that I, one of the reasons I started working with creativity was because of that experience of going into a flow state and everything, not only was it a profound experience, but I felt empowered afterwards. Yeah. Like I felt like anything that I wanted to do, that I put my mind to, mm. I could do. Mm. I felt like I had tapped into this wellspring of personal power that I had never felt before. And I felt so much more capable and so much more confident about myself and my abilities. And in my mind, when people really get in touch with their creativity and they start really like owning and expressing their creativity, they tap into that. Yeah. They tap into that feeling of being empowered. They tap into that sense of what I set my mind to, I can do, and that I can actually affect things in the world around me. Right. Right. And so one of the reasons that I, that's all of this stuff is a big deal for me. And I'm so, you know, that I've become a self proclaimed creativity evangelist is creativity is part of the goal, but it, what's after what creativity creates is really what I want to proffer is really what I'm trying to, to cultivate with people. I'm trying to get people to feel more empowered so that they can make changes in the world around them so that people can use their creativity to solve big hairy problems that we have.
0: You know, there's a there's a little bit of irony in the fact that people always say, I like to think out of the box because Mm. they always say that. That's that has become like the mantra, isn't it? Think out of the box. It's not all that that creative of a phrase.
2: It isn't (laughs) that creative of a phrase and frankly People do better creatively when they have constraints.
0: Right. That's right. You
2: do better work when you have fewer, uh, sometimes when you have fewer resources, when you have fewer things at disposal, when you figure out what you can use that's around you, Yeah. right? That what is at your disposal, what's at your behest. Mm -hmm. And so, actually thinking inside of the box is more of a thing, is actually much, I think, much more powerful. Yeah. And redefining the the box right redefine the box like what, is there actually a box is the box square maybe the box <laughs> is round maybe it's a tall box
0: but you know right? what i mean like like here's a perfect example of taking t- of creating constraints based on things that may seem completely arbitrary and random but just finding a way to link them together you know mm-hmm. i think mm-hmm. of all those great episodes of chopped you know the that's that show chopped mm-hmm. that's on the food network and they essentially give you know the, you have 20 minutes to make an appetizer using salmon skin, cranberries and Munster cheese. Go, you know, (laughs) it's like you give somebody um, Ruby and uh, Azure functions and, Uh uh, and Twitter, go do something with that. You know, now go. Right. Right. Give, give yourself some random constraints that you may not have, put together in the same box throw them in the yeah. box and try swimming
2: yeah yeah and see what you make of it like what can you construct with that and i think a lot of times that's really when you when we push our the limits of our creativity it's not when you have unlimited choices it's when you have limited choices right yeah limited options
1: and and the reality is we always have limited choices i almost wonder if the con- the pro the reason we we struggle with box and constraints these days is because this civilization does have so much now. You know, mm. we used to be much more naturally constrained mm-hmm. because there was <laughs> a bigger resource limitation. Now that we're actually banging up against where the constraint is, what the planet can sustain, it's, right? It's almost more than you can put in your head. Yeah.
2: Right. Yeah, and it is of our doing. <laughs> it's yeah. like okay, let's. Let's figure this out. Like, there's a lot of brain power amongst us. If we could get past thinking about, like, mundanities, like things that are just, you know, like, you know, just not as important. It's like we've got actually, like, you know, got like a big charge here, yeah, like a yeah. larger charge. Mm. There are
1: you know, we're we're busy creating a lot of small dumb problems for ourselves when there's mm-hmm. actually some big serious problems we should yeah. be dealing with. I it's almost totally a way to avoid working on the hard ones.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. It's procrastination.
0: Procrastination can be actually a, a good thing, though. You know, if if be. you have a big project that is, let's say, due in two weeks, you know, that's usually when you think of that thing that you really wanted to do that you knew would, you know, juice your creativity, but you've been holding yourself back at, you know, like, you know what I'm saying? We all do this, right? It
2: can be. Yeah. yeah.
0: But if you but if you spend a little time doing that, you know, uh, that thing, whatever it is, a, a small task that, you know, you're using it to procrastinate with a big task, but maybe that's what you need to do. Maybe you need to complete something small before you tackle something big.
2: Absolutely. And then you need to take the big thing and to split it into small, smaller bits. Yeah. Um, there's something called structured procrastination, which is, you know, taking your top three kind of important things that you need to do and going between the three of them, working on all of them, mm. you know, like when you need to switch tasks, switch to the second most important one. And when you're kind of, you know, uh, saturated with that one, mm-hmm. then to switch to the third one, you may not have gotten all of them done, but you made progress on all of them.
1: You yeah. moved all moved all the needles. Yeah. yeah. I'm I'm not a big list maker, but I get the idea that making lists just gets you thinking about the space rather than the, than doing the work itself.
2: Yeah. 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 I do
1: find I live in OneNote and for a lot of like geek outs and creative things and even show topics in general, Mm -hmm. I just dump, you know, just write things down in no order. Don't worry about that. Or order is actually a different mindset. Yeah. Right. It
2: is actually. yeah.
1: And often it comes like the next day. I'm just going to dump all this and then walk away from it. Yeah. Tomorrow I'll sort it, and it'll create, it'll stimulate some new ideas.
2: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Um, I want to press again something, some of the less pleasant. Like, you take on some harder subjects in your book, like learning from envy. I love that you just take that on. We have yeah. it. How do we use it constructively?
2: Yeah it's It's really important, I mean, because I mean that's it was one of the things I really like about this book is that um that I do tackle some stuff that's like may not be something that you know everybody talks about, but that's there, right I mean envy's there people people yeah. get I get envious like all the time, <laughs> and it's really important to know how to like not have something like that take you over in a negative way but right. mm-hmm. like actually learn tools learn skill you know learn a methodology for transforming that into something that mm. can help you move forward instead of that can keep you stifled and stagnant in the same place
1: so a way to deal with it without just suppressing it that turns it into something constructive
0: you turn it into what can i take from this right what can exactly. i learn from this to be better myself mm-hmm
2: how can I learn from this person that I'm envious of? How can I take their example and make it something that I can, that can move me forward instead of me sitting in this place of like, why does this person have something that I want that I feel like is that I feel like I should have. Mm. It's like, okay, how, how, what has this person done? And how can I use that as potentially a template? Um, and I also, you know, I also say that it's really important to like look at what a person's done and to also make sure that you see it within the context of that person. Mm. Um, I used to like try to do things that other people did, like just emulate them, like almost mimic them to try to achieve the same amount, the same kind of success that they had. Mm. And one of the things I had learned recently, Jesse actually uh helped me learn this is that um sometimes things don't don't work for you because they they really just work for that person because they just fit that person yeah, right yeah. um and so um that's been really helpful for me to kind of look at my own kind of feelings of envy and say, Oh wait a minute, I am comparing apples to oranges right' Like that person's success, they've got this whole kind of, you know, setup that's very different for me. We're not the same person. We haven't had the same experiences, but you know, what can I take out of what they've done or their process and how can I take that and adapt it to who I am and what works for me and see if that, if that's something that'll work.
1: I I do appreciate that the transformation of envy is into admiration. Yeah, mm-hmm. that by yeah. going and pursuing that and understanding that in a deeper way, understanding what appealed to you enough that it made you feel that way, you right. come to admire that person. That's a way, really constructive way to deal with something that's you know potentially quite negative mm-hmm. and 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 Thank can you. be all consuming.
2: Thank you. Yes, and then and then also too, it's like again, like you know, being envious doesn't really help you. But when you s- start to support other people and applaud them, it's kind of like again you shift the energy you shift the the sen- the feeling and the sensation and you move it from this thing that really only affects you right. Right? <laughs> right like it's not it's not hurting you it's like when they say you know when you're angry or when you're jealous or when you're envious it's like basically like taking poison twice no it's true <laughs> yeah. yeah you know it's you not, it doesn't it doesn't hurt the other person at all they're just like oh hey what um Right. It only it only affects you, so it's really about you know putting your making it so that it's better. You're putting yourself in a better place.
1: Yeah. I'm, how do you? What's a constructive way to deal with admiration? Like I see a lot of remarkably capable people who are very uncomfortable with accolades.
2: Yeah. Um, you mean with receiving or giving them?
1: Re- well, I, I would say both. Let's talk about receiving because I think it's the one that's the most awkward for a lot of folks.
2: Um, I think a lot of times. People don't receive stuff because they don't feel like they deserve it. Right. And and that's kind of, you know, that's a whole thing of, I think, when, when you're not sure of it yourself, right? When you kind of are suspicious or you're having that, you know, kind of internally outside, you're just like, yeah, yeah, I did this thing. But inside, you're just like, am I, do I really, did I really do anything? Am I still enough? Am I still okay? Um, Then it's hard to accept things. Um, And that's actually one of the reasons why in the, Book, I actually really spend a lot of time on saying, like, hey, like, really understand kind of how you're unique and what you have to offer and how that's different from anybody. Right,
0: because it's going to be different from everybody else.
2: It's going to. There is absolutely nobody on the planet that is exactly like you anywhere, anytime in history, moving backwards or forwards.
0: Yeah, I
2: agree. Like when you think about it, it's it's profound. Maybe right? Richard. I mean, it's just <laughs> well, Richard, Richard will have a clone sometime in the future. We hope if if, if the cryogenics is the, the cryogenics work correctly, there will be a Richard later. Hey, you could be a twin. Yeah, they're right. He could okay. be a twin.
1: I have worked with twins. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Strange. The 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 uh, two of my partners in Strange Loop, oddly enough, because they were twins, mm. uh, there were two of them. Uh, were mirror twins, and honestly, they could not have been more different. Yeah. Really yeah. remarkable, actually. One
0: of them was identical, but you really couldn't tell which one because they looked so much alike. So,
1: <laughs> <laughs> and after working with the, uh, I, I I bumped into them both at a party just a few months ago, mm. and after working with them for ten years, still mixed them up.
2: <laughs> Stop it!
1: <laughs> oh no! And then uh, you know, the only difference between then and now is that I just confessed too. It's like, oh my god, <laughs> I can't believe.
2: <laughs> Wow, that's hilarious! You just, just, Ugh. you just say both of their names at the same time. Hi, Jenna. <laughs> Hi, Papa. <blah>, yeah. <laughs> and you know,
0: parents w- of identical twins usually name them something like Tim and Tom, or you know, Jane and John, Joan. John. Yeah. John. And yeah. so, so you can always say Tim Tom or Jane Jones. Tim nice. Tom.
2: Joan, Joan. Um, <laughs> come up with, <laughs> it's very
0: come up with a name that means whichever one you are.
2: One <laughs> he is. The boat he is. Absolutely. But, um, yeah, thank you. I'm glad that you, uh, that you pointed that out, Richard, because I think that is, I mean, it's one of kind of a lot of, a lot of different things that I think that are really, um, really powerful tools. Um, really, really, you know, things that will be helpful for people. They dive into it and actually practice them can actually cause a lot of really positive change.
1: Yeah, this is a really effective tool. And I don't think this is said enough either, although it's said very well in the book, but I don't think we've said it here. Self-compassion. Yeah. Right. Uh, we're not very kind to ourselves. We're often kind to others more than we are to ourselves. Absolutely. But it,
0: this goes hand in hand with the sort of rampant narcissism that's in, in the Facebook culture, you know, or the social media culture. And I, th- I think it, it's not because that we were born this way. I think that the, our environment has sort of made us this way.
2: Mm-hmm. And,
0: and mm-hmm. It, what it means is that a lot of people can't take, uh, criticism without taking it personally. Um, because you know, we tend to surround ourselves in our social media circles with people that agree with us, so we're not used to being challenged, and so a challenge is taken as a personal slam. And you know, this may be a generational thing, but I think it just is the people who grew up using, you know, using the internet, using social media. There's some good books on this topic too. But you yeah. know, so you're speaking to these people, Denise. And mm-hmm. uh, and it must be a breath of fresh air to hear this message that, you know, all of that stuff is an illusion.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I actually do talk about that, that it's, you know, it's really not about, first of all, we need to be kind to ourselves, and then we need to be kind to other people, right? Mm. That it's That it's really important that we, you know, the stuff with the Facebook and the narcissism and all that stuff, I think, is really just to cover up that people – still don't really love themselves and they're still looking for this external validation and this kind of external, like, am I okay? I'm okay, right? Like, I'm making all these videos and I'm taking a selfie every day and making a duck face and, like, it's because I'm pretty, I'm pretty, right? I'm, I'm valuable, I'm good looking, I'm successful. Yeah. Um, And it's like when you get to a place where you start to do that to yourself, mm-hmm. you don't need it as much from other people. Mm-hmm. And then it's also easier to give people that admiration, that those accolades, that appreciation and all that stuff. Yeah. Because it's like your own cup is filled up. Right. Then it's like, then you can give to other people. And that's part of actually what the goal with this book is to like, you know, for those of us who've kind of been walking around feeling like our cup is only half full mm. and then beating ourselves up because it's like, you know, because of all of those messages, I'm not good enough and I'm not this and I got to do this and I got to do more and I got to be more and other in order for other people to value me. It's like, oh, no, let's just, let's turn it all inside. Let's just, you know, like get all internal for a moment. Yeah. Fill yourself up and then you can start to take what you have that bolstered sense of self, and then you can start actually helping other people.
0: Denise, do you want to give away a copy of your book? Maybe we can get people to tweet the URL to it uh, and uh, yeah. pick a random person or something like that?
2: Absolutely. They will be getting the book next month, but I'd be happy to do that. Absolutely.
1: Show comes out on June 1, and the book releases June 6. So I think the timing's pretty good. The All
2: app right. is pretty good. Yeah. So, absolutely. I would love to give a copy of the book away. It'd be my pleasure. So, we want to tell them what to tweet and how to do it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, let's see. I guess they can tweet. Um, I'd love a copy of the book. Um, and they could tweet to me, Denise Jacobs. And if they hashtag buy inner critic mm-hmm. and put in the URL to the um, book, which is innercriticbook.com great that'd be great awesome yeah i'll choose one of those at random and i will gift them a book
0: great idea all right well that's great denise thank you for spending this time with us
2: thank you so much for having me this was really fun it was really we, we went we went there we like we got all <laughs> up, got all deep in it
0: always fun to talk to you and we'll see you next time on net rocks